0: This Marketplace podcast is supported by Invest Puerto Rico. Build the future in paradise. Puerto Rico, a hub for innovators brimming with world-class talent and a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem. Learn more at investpr.org backslash marketplace today. It's going to be great. We can go ahead and start.
1: (laughs) Oh, we're going to start. Must mean Charleston's in charge. Maybe it's Jake. I don't know.
0: No, no, no. Hey everybody, welcome
1: back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense, no matter who is pushing the buttons downtown. I'm Kyle Rizdahl.
0: And I'm Kimberly Adams. Thank you for joining us on What Do You Want to Know Wednesday, the day in the week where we answer listener questions, and there are a bunch of good ones this week.
1: There are some good ones. I should be clear, by the way, the engineers at Marketplace, they do more than just push buttons they should they wonderful I need to give them their due yes uh if you have a question by the way about the economy or business or technology email us make me smart at marketplace.org leave us a voicemail if you like our number is 508 you be smart and here we go i guess right
0: yeah our first question hi kai and kimberly uh this is clint from austin
1: and i have a question about clint. the inflation reduction act um we keep talking about the climate aspects of it and all the positive things that it's doing to fight climate change, but I
0: didn't really hear a lot about what it was doing to fight inflation or if it is doing anything. So I'm just curious, mm-hmm. was that name, you know, not the best name for it? Should we have called it the climate bill? Why did we call it the inflation reduction? Help make me smart. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Clint. You ahead, Clint, Clint. Yeah. So let's remember That this bill in its original formulation was called the Build Back Better Act. And then after much trials and tribulation in in, uh, Washington, D.C., it came to be known as the Build Back Mansion bill because they were trying to please Joe Manchin. And then there was yes and no and negotiations. And then, ta-da, Joe Manchin and Chuck Schumer came out with this agreement that there was going to be some progress on the Democratic agenda as put forth by the president. But they were going to call it the Inflation Reduction Act so the reason it's called the inflation reduction act is to keep joe manchin happy because that had been joe manchin's big thing i'm worried about inflation okay so that's number one number two is it's really not gonna do a whole lot to control inflation i mean look at the margins might bring down some energy costs might bring down some health care costs it will reduce the deficit which some economists will tell you will reduce the amount of money floating around out in the economy and thus help bring down inflation a little bit but There is spending in this bill, too. A lot of the climate change stuff is spending. The Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania did a study, and they said uh, it's going to be one-tenth of one percentage point over five years in the reduction in inflation. And I'm just here to tell you that if we only get a tenth of a percentage point reduction in inflation in this economy over the next five years, there will be very bad times to come. So, that is not what this bill does. This bill is the president's agenda. It's climate. It's health care. It's a bunch of stuff. But really reducing inflation? I don't think so.
0: I mean, it's a branding thing, that. really, because oh, yes, Build Back Better yes, had yes. been like excoriated for months and yes. months and months. So, just call it something else. Everybody hates inflation. So, here's right, legislation right. to tackle inflation assuming most Americans won't get too lost in the details and say here are all the good things and just hopefully make the jump that that would reduce the inflation that's hurting your pocketbook right now or wallet or you know satchel or
1: whatever you may have
0: but anyway a good rebrand
1: always helps (laughs) that brand is everything all right here we go next one hey this is Klaus from Vancouver Canada And with regards to the chip makers announcing multiple billions of dollars in chip manufacturing on American soil. Mm -hmm. What happens with all the water that they will need to manufacture these chips? Because from what I understand, they require a ton of water in the process in order to make these chips. How are they going to manage that? Thanks for making me smart.
0: You understand correctly, Claus. It takes a lot, a lot, a lot of water. Um, So you're probably talking about the Chips and Science Act of 2022, which the president signed into law, I think, what, like last week, week before or something like that. It includes $50 billion in investments for semiconductors and chips to be manufactured here in the US, plus money for additional research on sort of next generation um, chips and semiconductors, all to help ease up some of these supply chain problems and also to decrease dependence on mainly China and other countries so that we can do some of this stuff here. All of, not all of them, but many, and many, many of the supply chain problems we've had over the last couple of years have been because of chips. The reason cars are so expensive right now, part of that is because of chips. And so it's been a big agenda item for the Biden administration, for industry and all those things. So, yes, all those things. It does take a lot of water, also chemicals. And this is something that's going to have to be figured out. The Verge has a story that semiconductor chip manufacturing in Arizona mainly about it in Arizona, that it these chip manufacturers were trying to ramp up production just as the drought was hitting, and the state is feeling like the drought from the Colorado River. And so a semiconductor factory there can use as much water in a day as between, this is ac- according to Verge, 13,627,000 yeah. Arizona residents use in the same time period. So it's definitely going to be an issue. And and I imagine when these semiconductor companies that have pledged all these investments are picking where they're going to set up shop, that's going to start to be a much more significant consideration. Another option, is that, uh, for example, Intel tries to do this restore and return program created as a public-private partnership with the city of Chandler uh, for a brine reduction facility where they're basically trying to capture some of the water they use, treat it themselves, and then reuse it. This is something that a lot of people are worrying about, and the Biden administration has arranged for an interagency working group to try to figure out the permitting for all of these new chip and semiconductor plants. Uh, Part of that group that's going to figure out how all this is going to work is the EPA and also the Council on Environmental Quality. And I have to imagine that what's up with water is going to be a big part of those discussions.
1: It's so dry out here right now. I can't even tell you how dry it is. It's so bad. It's so bad.
0: Yeah. Do you
1: have a lawn? Uh, it, it's brown, yeah. As it look, as it should be, as it should be. Our lawn is brown.
0: Have people just like stopped having grass in their
1: yards? No, there? no. It's it's still. I mean, you go out uh, in the early mornings for exercises I do, and you see people sprinkling, and you know it's it's really bad. It's really bad, and mm. we're gonna have to. It's gonna have to. It's gonna take a mind change out here, right? Because we are being reminded that we live in fundamentally a desert. Uh, and mm-hmm. you can't have what you want to have when you live in a desert, right? You just, yeah. Yep. Yeah. yep, yep Okay,
0: yep. here's another one.
1: Hi, this is Matt from Maynard, Massachusetts, home of where Babe Ruth used to buy cigars and play billiards. Wow. Also the <laughs> car scene <laughs> from Knives End. I had a question about productivity. It's so often explained oh, yeah. as number of widgets per hour, but since we're mostly a service-based economy, How is that calculated? Hope you make me smart. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question and it's really hard, right? Because for car manufacturers or chip makers or what have you, right? It's a measurement of the conversion of inputs, which is labor unit, uh, into outputs, which is chips or cars or widgets or, or what have you. And that's the basic one, right? They also do though, at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, measure services as an output, but it is monstrously complicated and there are a whole lot of things that aren't measured because just, I mean, let's just take me, right? I'm an office worker, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, I have an output thing every day. Marketplace reporters have an output thing every day. Uh, Mm -hmm. But how do you measure the input, right? How do you measure my work toward that output every day? You can measure marketplace as a product every single day. You can measure a reporter spot or a feature as a, an output every single day. But how do you take care of the labor inputs to that service? Right. The, uh, we, we do five marketplace afternoon shows a week. Right. David Brancaccio does six morning feeds a morning. Right. Five. Six, five. I don't even know. Five. Because one of David them comes does five out of morning feeds every morning. One of them comes out of London. Right. The challenge for the Bureau of Labor Statistics is how to measure the labor input to the service economy. They have been thinking about this for a very long time, and I direct your attention now to the monthly labor review, it's a journal, the June 82 edition, Jerome Mark, he's the assistant commissioner back then, he wrote a whole like six or eight page paper on how to figure that out. It's really, really complicated, but they do do it. Here's the other thing, okay? And this adds to uh, the conversation of office workers and technology. I don't know if you saw the piece in the, in the New York Times the other day by Jody Cantor and a couple of others about um, productivity measurement tools that companies are using now for mm-hmm. workers who spend a lot of time on yeah. keyboards. Mm-hmm. Terrifying, dystopian, stressful. We will put a link in the show page to this piece. It's wild, 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 wild. Big Brother really is watching. And that's how companies are measuring <laughs> office worker white-collar productivity.
0: So I saw a um, really funny, I don't know if it was on TikTok or Instagram reels or YouTube or whatever, but you know how sometimes you have those stationary mm, mouse, mice, you know, mouse things. Anyway, with the trackball, they had taken the trackball out of their mouse and given it to their cat. And so as oh the my cat God. was oh, batting it around on the floor, <laughs> it made it look like their key cursor was moving across the screen. So it looked like they were still active on their computer for their company's tracking software.
1: <laughs> that's too funny. That is too funny. Anyway, oh I
0: actually, God. if you really want to get into the weeds on this, I highly recommend that uh, paper from the 1980s. It's really fascinating yeah. because they're talking yeah. about how like, you know, if you're measuring the productivity of a truck driver, do you measure their number of deliveries, the amount of time that they spend loading and unloading, and how for every single different service, you have to know a lot of data about how each of the jobs works in order to figure yep. out how to measure that input relative to the output and weight it appropriately. So that's some heavy duty economics works, the economic work there. Yeah,
1: for sure. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Okay, so uh, here's another one. Uh, It's a listener. Uh, The the Twitter handle is at, I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, Richards, W-R-I-C-H-E-R-S, at Richards, tweeted at us wanting to know this. What is the story on job recovery for women? And she included a tweet from Catherine Impel, one of the Friday regulars, with a graph that showed we have now recovered, we, everybody, male and female, have recovered all the jobs lost in the pandemic, however come however comma
0: it also decimated the pandemic being it women's right. workforce participation especially for moms so The U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics reported on August the 5th that, and I'm just going to read the quote here, total non-farm payroll employment rose by 528,000 in July and the employment rate edged down to 3.5%. Both total non-farm employment and the unemployment rate have returned to their February 2020 pre-pandemic level. So that's a good thing. That's what we're talking about when we say that we've returned to the pre-pandemic level. But we talked to Lauren Bauer, who's the Associate Director of the Hamilton Project and the Brookings Institution. And she said that the thing that's very clear from the data is that you know a lot of that is because families really didn't want to get off track during the pandemic. And so they put this extraordinary burden on themselves to find work and to support their family. And so a lot of these jobs that were lost pre-pandemic aren't necessarily the same ones being added back. So maybe you were a manager, you know, with a job that made you work like long hours and weird hours all week pre-pandemic, but then you had all these family duties. So when you returned to the workforce, you returned working part-time or working a job that was a little less demanding and maybe made a little bit less. The hardest hit sector um, I've during the pandemic, as we've talked about lots of times, were leisure and hospitality. And many of them left those leisure and hospitality jobs, went out and found other work because those leisure and hospitality jobs went away while other jobs still existed. And then they stayed in those jobs. Those jobs were recovered, but not in the same place. And women really represent a lot of those leisure and hospitality workers. Yes, as we've also discussed, women uh, handled the brunt of the child care responsibilities yeah. and yeah. they were the most likely to lead the labor force. But the comeback is better than a lot of us expected. Um, yeah. The portion of women who are not working because of child care after the pandemic, although it's not really after the pandemic, but now ish compared to before the pandemic is relatively small and getting much smaller it's the labor force participation rate that is the thing that everybody's paying attention to. <laughs> Sorry. I hear it. I'm, I hear I'm, it. Is that the kitten or is that Jasper? <laughs> <laughs> that That's the kitten attempting to play with Jasper.
1: Uh-huh. I'm, I'm kitten sitting. There you go.
0: Right. Anyway, from 2016 to 2022, June of 20, June of this year, women made the greatest positive contribution to the overall labor force participation rate. Marissa pulled this detail yep. for us, yep. Netting, yep. An incre- <laughs> netting an increase wow. of four tenths of a percentage point uh, compared to men who came back, uh, at, who are contributing just a tenth of a percent. Anyway, right. women are coming back, often in the not the same jobs as they had before. That's the larger point right. I was trying to get at before the kitten distracted
1: right. me. Right. all right. It's all good. Tell you what, let's save that last one for next week, huh? Does that work?
0: Yes. Okay, that works. All right, good. good <laughs> anyway, good, that's good. it for us today. Thank you for listening. Make Me Smart is going to be back tomorrow with
1: the news. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, that's so funny. Sunday. Sounds like a baby, actually
0: he is a baby it's uh the, the kitten i think is like three months old and my friend who's out of town has me watching him and he makes these noises pretty much only when i'm trying to record something of course of course anyway and and that's your make me smile today is the kitten there you and go that's we we're gonna exactly have more right. make me that's smiles exactly tomorrow right. <laughs>
1: More questions, please. More comments, more everything. We'll take it all. Our email is smart at marketplace.org. Leave us a voicemail if you like. 508 UB Smart. Ooh. Dog.
0: Make Me Smart is produced by Marissa Cabrera. Olivia Chow is our intern, and Ellen Rolfus writes our newsletter.
1: Today's show was engineered by Jake Cherry Bentley and Daniel Ramirez, composed our theme music our senior producer is Bridget Bodner.
0: Jasper has been so long suffering with this kitten. He just keeps I was looking just gonna at me say, like, Why, Why have you brought this yeah. into what the house? What are you doing to me,
1: man? What are you doing to me?